You're listening to the Utah Checkdown Podcast. And now your hosts, Josh Furlong and Robert Jackson. Welcome back to another edition of the Utah Checkdown Podcast. My name is Josh Furlong, and I'm joined today with Robert Jackson. Uh, and we also have a special guest with us talking uh, Arizona State football. So we'd like to welcome in now Doug Holler from The Athletic. Uh, he's been covering Arizona State. How, well, you're covering the state of Arizona now, but how long have you been covering Arizona State? It seems like a while. Let's see. I um, moved here almost 20 years ago, did the Phoenix Suns and Cardinals for a while. So... Let's see the last year of Dennis Erickson to the second last year of Dennis Erickson, I think was my first time. So that was 2010. So 12. So how many, so, so how many coaches does that go through? <laughs> so, well, let's see. We said Dennis, Ty Graham, Herm, this will be my fourth. Sean Aguano is the interim coach. This is my fourth coach. <laughs> that's a, that's a lot of turnover. I, Three I've, coaches in that period of time for sure. <laughs> I've been covering Utah since 2010 and I've had one coach. So it's kind of been, <laughs> it's kind of been an interesting uh, uh, dynamic that way. It, yeah, there's something to be said for that. Look where Utah is, and look where Arizona State is. <laughs> well, let's let's just jump right into that. I mean, obviously, we're not we're not uh, uh, hiding any of that stuff. Herm Edwards was uh, let go on Sunday. Um, can you can you kind of walk us through that? Kind of what's happened, and kind of what's happened since then. Yeah, um, Saturday night it was a late kickoff at Sun Devil Stadium, um, and it was one of those games where you knew, like, after midway through the first quarter, like wait a second, this, this might not be going Arizona State's way. They were just getting overpowered at the line of scrimmage um, to Eastern Michigan's credit. But really the big takeaway from that game was the atmosphere. And it was a late start. It was the 8 p.m. Pac-12 after dark kickoff. But, you know, the student section was full to start the game. After halftime, they left. They didn't come back. Um, you know, reporters are allowed on the field for the last five minutes of the game. You know, I, I just looked around. Uh, you know, Arizona State was still trying to get back into the game. They were down nine, nine, I think. So it was still competitive. This it was less than half empty, le- I guess less than half full. Um, no one was really standing up outside of the band. The students were gone. It was the worst atmosphere I've ever seen at an Arizona State game. And you know, people are making a big deal about the video that's been online of Michael Crow, the school president, and Ray Anderson, the athletic director, meeting Herm Edwards as he walked off the field and speculating that that's when they fired him. That's not the case. Um, they always meet every Herm, every road game. They always meet Herm right at that exact same spot. That exact scene unfolds every home game. But it, I'm sure it had to hit to hit home to Michael Crow saying, "Look, look how bad this is," and we have Utah, USC, Washington coming up. We got two more months of this season. I don't know if we can, you know, if it looks like this now, what's it going to look like, you know, at midseason? So, you know, that may have prompted his hand to make the decision. Um, you know, of course, there's an NCAA investigation hanging over the program as well. Uh, Ray Anderson kind of suggested that wasn't a factor, but I think you'd have to be naive to think that it wasn't. But um, at the same time, I wasn't expecting it. I, I think everyone thought that once they decided to bring Herm back for his fifth season, that he would last the season. Uh, but I think just looking at the environment there and speculating about what might be projecting what might be ahead, they decided that a change was needed. Now, sometimes you see these uh, coaching turnovers happen, you know, right before a bye week. So it kind of give the interim coach a little bit of a uh, a week off to kind of prepare for his next opponent. We see this happen right to begin conference play 
uh, Sean Aguano is going to get thrown right into the mix to having to face a tough Utah team. What's kind of the sense that you're getting from the team? Has it been a positive reaction? Like, obviously, they got recruited by uh, Herm Edwards to play at Arizona State, but is the overall sense of the team, uh, uh, is it is it a positive experience or is it kind of unsettled at this point? Well, Monday, Sean talked to the media for the first time as head coach, and there was just from that, just being in the media room, there was a different energy. I mean, I mean, and nothing against Herm Edwards. He is, he is, if any, if you guys have ever met him, he's about as nice as a person could be. Definitely unlike any college football coach I've been around. Um, but, you know, just, it's been a long 15 months with the investigation hanging over his head and the media wanting answers and him not being able to give them. And, um, you know, at one point, Michael Crow and Ray Anderson, you know, kind of suggested that he was somewhat innocent in all these or maybe even a victim in all this. And, you know, that didn't sell well with the public. And there was just, you know, it drained him. You could see he wasn't the same guy as he was, uh, you know, he was on the radio before the season opener. And, you know, that's, that's Herm's wheelhouse, you know, He's, he was, he was an NFL analyst on ESPN, energy, enthusiasm. He knows how to do that. And it, it, it just, I mean, I texted somebody after that radio interview and said, did you hear Herm? Did he sound detached to like just out of it? And he goes, or is it just me? And he goes, well, you're the second person that's mentioned it to me. So it's not just you. So I, I, it was just draining on everybody. And I think, you know, when you change, um, when you make a change, it's always positive to start. Now there's new energy, how long that energy lasts, how real that energy is. I don't know. We'll find out Friday or we'll find out Saturday. Do you, I mean, do you think that the, with that rejuvenation and everything like that, that they, that they can come out on Saturday and at least make it competitive? It's not to say that Utah is going to just dominate, right? Like Arizona State can win this game. But what, what I guess, what do you think needs to happen for them to be able to kind of overcome all that stuff? Well, that's the big question. How, how long does that energy, new vibe, how long does that carry over in a football game? Football games last for ever as you guys know i mean they're you're in that you're up there watching they're on the field it's, it's a three and a half hour ordeal sooner or later talent strength runs out and you know and if i think of eastern michigan overpowered arizona state at the line of scrimmage what is utah going to do um at the same time with the with the way they they operated under herm herm had that pro mentality of keeping the game close complimentary football and for better or worse they were going to be probably in the game in the fourth quarter, either down by 10 points or up by 10 points. You know, they didn't blow many people out and they weren't blown out. I don't know what Sean Aguano will do. Um, I think you'll see a little bit more tempo. Um, you know, Herm was huddling after every play, slowing things down. Um, even when they were behind, they were still huddling the other night. So I think there'll be more tempo. Uh, like I said, if they, if they were opening, if they had Colorado or, you know, maybe Stanford, uh, nothing against Stanford, but if they had a team that, you know, was Arizona's, you know, someone that wasn't operating at, you know, at such a high level as Utah could be, I think that I'd give them a better chance, but it's hard to see them coming out and, and, and winning Saturday, I think. So, so the, the, everyone says that it's not a rivalry, but it's no secret that these two teams do not like each other <laughs> to put a frank, like both players, both, both teams have players talking a little bit of smack online. How do you see that playing into maybe Arizona State's favor coming up with a little bit of an underdog edge on Saturday? Yeah, there, there are some people in my business in Arizona who think this is a rivalry. I'm, I'm not one to think that it's a rivalry. I think rivalries aren't created in the media. They're created on the field. And 
you know, th- these matchups haven't been real competitive lately. Um, you know, it's been pretty one-sided. So I do think, you know, to become a rivalry, you need games that are really kind of going down to the fourth quarter. Uh, and it just hasn't been that way recently. Now I do, I do know there's some recruiting things and, you know, the fans like to go back and forth. Uh, so there is some, some extra energy, uh, as far as that goes. Um, I, we'll see. It, it depends on the atmosphere, really. I mean, if they if they come out and you know, Sean Aguano is very popular in the state. I mean, he, he coached at, at at a local high school, won state titles. Um, you know, he he's very popular. And if they figure out if they can, you know, get that Sun Devil Stadium kind of rocking, you know, it hasn't been that way recently. But then maybe that plays a factor. I, I don't know. I don't know. But like I said, sooner or later, I just think. You know, talent wins out in this sport, so we'll see. But uh, some some unknown factors could make it interesting for sure. Obviously, Arizona State lost a lot of players to the transfer portal. I mean, a lot of that probably due to the investigation with a lot of different things that way. Recruiting class, you know, it hasn't really done as well lately, mostly probably because of that as well. But you do get Emory Jones, a Florida quarterback that comes in, um, obviously a talented kid, dual threat guy. What, what do you see from him that kind of gives Arizona State, uh, you know, optimism that, that he can kind of lead them in a way that I don't know if it's maybe the same level of Jaden Daniels or, or, or is it, right? Like is, what, what's kind of giving them the optimism there? Uh, well, he came in after spring ball. He came in in May. Uh, so you're looking at a, a guy who comes in in May and has to win over the locker room, what, June, July, August, in about less than three months. Um, and by all accounts, he did that. You know, he, I, I heard good things about him before he arrived about how he's such a great kid and such a great leader. And he really needed to hit the ground running in that regard because, you know, all those players had gone through spring ball, you know, those 15 practices with other quarterbacks. Um, you, you know, there was some speculation about, well, he's still, you know, Herm, and they said all the right things. He's got to come in and win the job. But I don't think you bring in a quarter, a transfer quarterback in May. Uh, with intention, especially one that started at Florida and, and tell him, you know, put him, bring him off the bench. So, um, so leadership, he checks that box. Uh, he has a, he run, he ran a little bit, uh, the first, you know, scrambled extended plays against Northern Arizona in week one. He hasn't done that a lot. And lately, because I think the importance of keeping him healthy, um, but he can make plays like that extend plays, which is so important uh, today. Um, so I think that's something that, that is in his favor, uh, passing, you know, we haven't really seen a whole, at times it's been good. I mean, he has a great arm, uh, last week against Northern Arizona over the top. They had, you know, they tried it three or four times and they never did complete one, but it was, you know, <laughs> they, I don't know how they didn't connect because, but he had, he threw a really nice deep ball. So, you know, he, I don't know if people are in, in were down on Jaden Daniels when he left. I don't know if I think he's you know, is at that le- as good as Jaden. I think Jaden's a talented kid, but, um, you know, I, he's, he's close. He's, he, has, he has similar skills for sure. Hey, give us, uh, in, your, in your opinion, give us two of the players on maybe one on offense, one on defense that uh, we should be watching out for on Saturday. On offense, it's the running back, uh, Xavier Valaday. He's a Wyoming transfer. Uh, I believe he is the active career yardage leader in college football right now. Um, you know, at, at Wyoming, he led the Mountain West in rushing one year, uh, all-conference type guy. Uh, they, they give him the ball a lot, and he, he's quick. He has a little power to him. Uh, he, he's effective. He's effective. Uh, if, if Utah's going to win, they're going to have to stop him. Defensively, it's their veteran, Kyle Sole, the linebacker. Um, 
you know, he's in his fifth year. He's a team captain, um, you know, against Oklahoma State. He had a career-high 16 tackles. He already has two interceptions, and he's kind of the the leader of that group. And uh, you'll you'll notice him. He'll be making plays because he's just he's just all over the field. We know that you have yeah, a... real, real quick. Oh, yeah, I, I saw that Valdez averaging almost seven yards a carry. Is it is it a case of just the offense getting ahead of themselves when they don't really? I mean. I mean, you're getting seven yards of carry. You just hand the ball off, and you're marching down the field. Are are they, are they getting too cute? Is it turnovers? What's kind of the Achilles heel for the for this uh, Sun Devil offense? Um, well, penalties against Northern Arizona, um, and which was a problem last year. They were among the worst penalized teams in the country last year, and it was a huge emphasis all year and all summer. Uh, you know, whenever they committed a, a penalty and you know, during, I guess, spring ball or the off season, you know, the players, they would run sprints, you know, and then trying to get back into the game, they trailed the entire game on Saturday night. In the second half, they, they would start moving the ball and then holding personal foul. I mean, they just couldn't get anything going. Um, and that, that was a problem. The other thing is, you know, their receivers aren't seasoned. Um, you know, they have a kid by the name of Elijah Badger, who everyone who's talented, everyone's been kind of waiting for him to take the next step. And he, he has shown positive signs this, this um, season so far, a kid by the name of uh, Geo Sanders, who's, you know, who's sure-handed, uh, hasn't gotten a lot of opportunities, but they, they don't have a lot of depth at receiver or a lot of talent. Obviously this is a, as a game that, that it's in uh, important for both teams. Uh, they kind of need to establish it. Utah is trying to look at this as a way to, to really kind of get a jump start to where they hope to be as, as repeating as a, a Pac-12 champion. Uh, Arizona state obviously is in a different realm, but this is obviously a good way for them to jump start and, and, and get into kind of what they're doing, especially with a, a kind of a new regime, at least for this year. What, what do you think it's going to take uh, to get Arizona state to win this game? I think the energy in the building is going to have to be just unlike what we've seen the last few years. Um, you know, there, there will be an adrenaline rush to start because that's what happens right after a coaching change, everything's new and everything's better, right? Everything Herm did was, was the wrong approach. And now everything that Sean Aguano is going to do is, is the right way to go. Well, we don't know that it's going to seem that way. I mean, it makes for a good story right now. Uh, but you know, I, I think they're going to, have to force turnovers, make a play on special teams, block a punt, something that goes off script a little bit uh, that really kind of shifts momentum. And I think it's going to have to happen early in the game to give the team confidence because, you know, that Eastern Michigan game is one of the worst losses um, probably in the last uh, 25 years for Arizona State football. So something's going to have to happen early in the game, a big play on offense that gives them confidence. And we'll, we'll see how far that can carry them. Um, you know, if they can keep it close until halftime, you know, which I think they will, uh, then, then let's see what happens in the second half and maybe Utah will start feeling some pressure. Well, thank you so much, Doug. We appreciate your time. Give us, give us kind of where that people can, can read your stuff, kind of what you're working on and, and where they can find you. Yeah, I, w- I work for The Athletic, so you can find all my stuff if you subscribe to The Athletic. Um, if you don't subscribe, it's uh, just you know a dollar per month right now for six months. It's a good time to sign up. Uh, we do a great job of covering not just you know local teams, but the entire country. Uh, and for most of this week, I am working on Arizona State transition stuff. Uh, and also, we have some uh, some cool stories that we do that I do that we do nationally series that uh, I'm working on that will come out in October. Sounds great. Well, go give Doug a follow, and uh, we appreciate your time and and answering some of the questions that we have. And we look forward to uh, this game on Saturday. 
Thank you. All right. I appreciate you having me. All right. Well, that was awesome. We got to talk with Doug and kind of see his, his insight on that. Obviously there's a lot going on at Arizona state. Uh, he's been a busy guy this week, just trying to figure all that stuff out. Uh, it's, it's not a great situation down there, right? I mean, obviously coming into this season, we knew that, that, uh, the situation there was a little tenuous. They, you know, Herm, I think everybody expected him to, like Doug said, kind of ride out the season, maybe retire on his own so that he could kind of go out the civil way. Um, but, but things have just, you know, they spiraled, you lose a lot of players, you lose, uh, you know, Eastern Michigan game that that probably shouldn't have been lost. I mean, it's, it, Eastern Michigan is not a great team uh, by all accounts. And like he said, it's you know probably the worst loss in 25 years. Things aren't going well. So I, th- I think, you know, it's it's easy to kind of look at this program and, and say that, you know, it's 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 in a dire situation. Um, but I mean, it's still an Arizona State team that's dangerous. They've got talent. They may not be recruiting as highly as they have in the, in years past, but they still got guys out there that can do it. Emory Jones is no slouch. You know, like you said, Valade is is uh, you know the leading rusher. So there's there's a lot there. I, I, was there anything that that he said, Rob, that that kind of changed your opinion on Arizona State, or was it did it kind of more confirm what you were thinking? Uh, no. So, I mean, I, I don't think athletic directors and university presidents want to fire a coach midseason. Um, I, I think that it has to be pretty drastic to even consider it. I think that ideally you would wait until the end of the season, um, kind of like the Jazz did with Quinn Snyder. Now, granted, you know, there's something that Snyder wanted to do, but you don't want to make that change midseason just because uh, you're thinking of your players first. But uh, it's it's apparent that Herm had lost the locker room. He had lost the fan base. I mean, for a student section to just leave at halftime of a Arizona State, game, no less. I mean, they're they're a rabid fan base, right? You know, so you know, I've been down to to Tempe numerous times, and it is it. Um, I mean, it's not oxen. I mean, I don't think that people are expecting that, but it but it it can be rocking. That stadium can get rocking uh, if the Sun Devils are playing well. So. And you you think about just last year, like last year, Arizona State was a respectable team. Like they were, it was a ranked team that came into Rice-Eccles and, you know, Utah ended up winning that game. Uh, but it was uh, looking a little dicey for a while just because of the talent level that Arizona State has. And to, to go from, uh, what was that, like week six, week seven last season when the Utah and Arizona State played to fast forward to week three of this new season, my how fall how fast they've fallen and yeah a lot, a lot of that's due to the transfer portal you've got allegations of um you know recruiting violations and the ncaa investigation going on and uh i it's it's crazy to to see because you see how good that they can be you know like they've got the weather they they it seems like they should be able to recruit better than they are and have the talent that they are. Maybe, maybe, maybe they're even recruiting the right players. They're just not able to put it all together. You know, they're just missing that one or two critical pieces that, that, uh, that can be, but uh, you know, a lot can be said for the change, but when you're giving up seven yards of ground, seven yards of carry on the ground to a not very good Eastern Michigan team, there, there, there has to be something that happened, and it's unfortunate that Hearn lost his job. But uh, that's the reality. These coaches are getting paid so much money that that's kind of the mantle that they have to take. It's it's just a tough situation, right? I mean, it, it, Arizona State, like you mentioned, that game last year, there was a lot of of 
I don't know if I'd call it hype, but a lot of excitement maybe to go into that game thinking, you know, this could be among two of the top South teams. Nobody was really giving USC a lot of credit anymore after Utah beat them, and and obviously they just weren't in their situation with Clay Helton. But this was kind of supposed to be the de facto game to get Utah to the championship, right? And and all of a sudden, I think it was Arizona State goes up 21-7, I think was the score. Utah had to score 28 unanswered points or something. It, it just kind of changed everything, right? And it changed the momentum, and it seemed like Arizona State lost its footing. They couldn't figure anything out. And then, obviously, we, we you know, we'd already known about the, the recruiting allegations and everything, but it just seemed like a ticking time bomb where everybody knew that this was going to blow up. Herm was never going to be the permanent coach after this. I think many kind of expected him to to lose his job in the offseason. Um, instead, you know, a lot of different coaches were picked off, and, and they were fired, and and everything went went south that way. But it, it's just an interesting situation to kind of see where this is. Now, you know, I, I mentioned it obviously to Doug that this is a situation where, you know, Utah can lose this game. This isn't like one of those things where Utah is, is uh, you know, unstoppable here or anything that way. There's, there's a lot available to Arizona State. I, I just think... I think it's kind of to what Doug said, where it's it's an attrition thing, right? I think they can they can go toe to toe with Utah probably for a good half, and and I think that's what most people are expecting. But I think just the talent level and everything there is going to take a toll on them. I mean, the the, the stat that jumps out to me, quite honestly, that they have a phenomenal pass defense. At least they have so far this year. They're twenty first in the country, which is pretty phenomenal. Uh, Utah's number two, which is kind of surprising. Everybody doesn't think of Utah as a pass defense. Uh, powerhouse it's always been the run defense this year has been a little bit more kind to them but the the run defense for Arizona State is not great it's 102nd nationally they give up 175 yards a game you saw that with Eastern Michigan obviously they ran forever against them now now like you said you know you're going up against a trench that that is far more physical than what they've they've faced this year and now you're getting you know at least three running backs that are proven they've got to get in there this seems like an opportunity where Utah can just really ground and pound the game out for a win and if not then you've got tight ends you know it's funny like we talk about this given last week's conversation or earlier this week's conversation about the receivers getting open and getting stuff this is one of those weeks where i think that you know don't don't fix what's not, you know that's not broken right here with the run game. Just just pound it to Tavion, give it to you know Makai Bernard, give it to Jalen Glover, and just let Utah go to work. What do you think? Yeah, so I think that Arizona State, like Doug mentioned, he, they're going to try to get that spark play on offense, whether it's whether it's some trick play or some end around. Uh, they're going to try to get something to kind of steal the momentum early. Uh, and for Utah, it's going to be like you said, can they just weather the storm? So it, 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 it's crazy when you give up seven yards of carry to an Eastern Michigan team. It's not like you were out of position or out physical. It's got usually a combination of, of multiple factors. Usually either you're, you're playing too over, you're playing too aggressive. You're, you're trying to uh, make arm tackles or you're, you're just not physical enough. Usually it's, it's some combination of one of those three things. And for, for Utah, the, I, I, I guarantee you that Arizona State's going to come out ju- juiced. They're, they're going to be ready to go, um, mainly because you look at what Utah did against San Diego State last season, right? You have a new quarterback that comes in midway through the qu- third quarter because Charlie Brewer was ineffective, and the team just flipped a switch. It's the same team, and this is, all of a sudden they started playing harder. They started playing smarter. They started, you know, fighting for that extra yard every every time that they got the ball, or you know, in every position battle that they had, they 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 kind of just mentally flipped the switch. 
ultimately it wasn't enough for Utah to get the win in triple overtime. You can kind of see that Arizona State, they this is kind of going to be that that breath of fresh air for them in that program. If they can steal the momentum early, this could be one of those ugly Kyle Whittingham, you know, 21-17 type games that, you know, that Utah just needs to weather the storm for. Um, it, now, if if those things can't be fixed, if it, if it really is a personnel issue or a scheme issue for Arizona state, then Utah could put up a lot of points just running the football. Like um, the, the push that Utah should be able to get up front, you know, granted, you know, you can't, you can't, uh, you can't really prepare for motivation. You know, I guarantee you their, their new coach is going to be doing everything that he possibly can, but how, how long will that last into the game before eventually just the fatigue, wears off or the realization settles in that you're, they're just facing a better uh, team. It just depends on how long Utah allows them to stay in this game that that motivation I think will last. Well, this is, that's why I think it's important that, that Utah starts, you know, especially fast this week, right? I think we obviously talked yeah. about them needing to start fast. They had the slow starts in the first quarters and, you know, we've, it, you know, I've documented it. Every other outlet has documented this. This isn't a surprise. It's kind of that obligatory story that we've written this week. Um, but it, but I think it's it's one of those things where on a team like this, where they're going to come in really hyped up, they're going to come in with that extra energy, we're going to go win one for our new coach type thing. This is where you smack them in the mouth. And if, if, if Utah can go up, you know, by two touchdowns pretty early in this game, and I'm not saying even in the first quarter, but if they can get two touchdown lead going into that, you know, going into halftime or whatever it is, I, I feel like this is kind of the undoing of Arizona State, right? I think this... This is, is, is more on Utah's side in the sense of they need to control this game, right? It's a, it's a road environment, so you're going to have a hostile crowd and, and, and things are going to be a little out of your control. And it's easy for me to sit here on a, on a Thursday and say, oh, they need to control the game and get points fast and all that. But I think that's got to be the, the game plan, right? They, they have to find a way to be able to start fast, and they've got to be able to punch them in the mouth, or else Arizona State will hang around, right? And then you're looking right. at a scenario where maybe it is that fourth quarter comeback, and, and maybe you're trying to figure out something, and uh, the things that weren't you weren't expecting to work, like, like let's say a run game, now you have to figure out how to do it in the passing game against a, a, a taller task of a defense. And so, you know, I think that's kind of where it has to be. The longer you keep them in the game, the harder that game's going to be. And, and you could say that about any game. I get that. I understand that. But I think especially in this one where the emotions are going to be a little bit more, more high, uh, I, I think that that's, that's all the more reason for Utah to start out uh, on, a, you know, on a quick note. Like Kyle called it to, Kyle compared them to a wounded animal, right? They're, they're dangerous because you think that they might be down um, and then all of a sudden they attack. And, and I think that's where they're approaching this game. I don't think Utah... At least I don't think they're, you know, expecting to come in here and just dominate. I think they're expecting to come in here and make it a physical game and and uh, and, and really go in for a fight that, that is always a physical game against uh, Arizona. You know, the, the the matchup that I that I like and I'm looking forward to is is Emory Jones versus Utah secondary. Um, Utah kind of got exposed a little bit uh, in week one against Anthony Richardson. Uh, Emory Jones is not Anthony Richardson. He's not going to be running for 80 yards in this, in this contest. In fact, against Eastern Michigan, he only mustered seven yards on three carries. So I, I don't see that that being um, the quarterback run game being a super threat in this one. However, they do have a physical running back that, that is, you know, averaging close to seven yards a carry on the ground. So for, for Utah, they they can be, 
um, they can be a little bit one dimensional on defense, which is usually uh, a strong thing when, when Kyle Whittingham knows what his opponent's going to do and can prepare for it and make a game plan for it. That's when they're super successful. So I think that Utah will play a lot of uh, single high safety uh, just to try to um, stop the run game as much as possible. Um, and really limit what Arizona State looks have, especially when they don't have that go-to wide receiver like they have had in the past. Like I mean, you can think about all the the great wide receivers that have played for Arizona State. They don't have that guy on the roster this year. So luckily for Utah, they um, they can kind of prepare for just stopping the run and kind of ground and pound, and we'll see where it goes. Yeah, no, I completely agree. I think you know the more Utah can make this team a one-dimensional team and make them really force you in the run game, I think that that bodes well for for Utah. Obviously, like you said, in the Florida game, we saw that the run game was not great. Uh, they were a little overexposed in, in, in different areas. But I, but I think this is one of those games where, you know, you've got to be able to limit those things. And, and like, like Doug said, like they, he, they have a mobile quarterback, but how much are they going to use him when, you know, behind him, there's not a lot of talent, right? There's talent, but it's, I guess I should say, more unproven talent, right? The, the fact that right. he comes in there and it was really like a no-brainer that he was going to be the starting quarterback jumping in in May kind of says where they're at, right? And I think I think that's what they need to do. If they can they can figure that out, not over-pursue, kind of keep within their own lanes, keep the, you know, the run game uh, effective, they're going to be fine in that passing game, right? Like even if Clark Phillips doesn't go, and, and, and I have no belief that he necessarily won't. Um, I, you know, Kyle was a little bit uh, optimistic and same with Morgan Scally, so you kind of have to take that. But even if he's not able to go, Utah's got plenty of guys back there that can can do the job, right? Like, these aren't world beaters. If this was USC, I think Utah would be in a much different situation, and I think they'd be worried. But, you know, right. Arizona State's going to go on the ground. That's really what it's going to be. Well, for, for you, you bring up USC. USC's going to be one of those offenses that you you try to stop the run, they throw it right over the top. You try to stop the pass, and they run it down your throat. Exactly. So, we'll, we'll talk about that in a couple of weeks. But that, that USC offense right now, at least, seems to be firing in all cylinders. And no team as of yet has uh, been able to uh, thwart the, the offensive mind of Lincoln Riley so far. So Oregon State gets their chance this week in Corvallis. That'll be a, that'll be a fun matchup to watch. And as far as the, the, the Pac-12 in general, is there a game that you're watching outside of this Utah-Arizona State game that kind of um, gives you that uh, kind of the most intriguing game in the conference this week? Yeah, I'd have to say it's the Oregon-Washington uh, State game. Uh, I think that one's going to be an interesting game. You have a Washington State team that is undefeated. You know, they're a talented team. They, you know, they, they've been able to kind of overcome all of the – perception that the the Cougars have had over the years where they're just not really a solid team. They have a wonky coach at, at the last few times. Now they have a solid coach that that has really honed in on what works for them. Um, personally, I thought they were going to take a step back a little bit when Jaden Delora left, but they've really done a phenomenal job. You know, they go in and they beat Wisconsin. I don't think anybody expected that. Wisconsin's a solid Big Ten team that that is kind of that. It's kind of the Utah team, and in, in some respects of the Big Ten, right? They're just physical. They want to beat you in the trenches. They're a run game, and Washington beat them, right? Like they came in there and 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 took it to them. So, how does that translate against a team like Oregon, who obviously dominated BYU last week? Uh, I, I'm excited to see that. Washington State gets them at home. It's a Pullman game, so uh, you know Oregon's not going to have their home fans to kind of cheer for them. Washington State fans, you know, they're they're rabid. They're in a college town. That's basically all that they have right now. 
Um, I, I'm excited to see that one. I, I think USC and Oregon State is probably my, my top game I want to watch, but I think that one is a close second just simply because of, of who Washington State is. Plus, I want to see, you know, is Oregon good on the road against a quality team? What about you? Yeah, well, I was just looking. Have you put in your picks yet for this week for uh, KSL College Football Pick'em? I have not. I usually wait till late Thursday night, just barring some craziness, and, and I'm always wrong, so it doesn't really matter. I should put them in on Monday because, <laughs> let's be real, it, it doesn't change. Well, we have a ton of good matchups this week, the first being Iowa State uh, taking on a number 17 Baylor at home. We don't really know a lot about Iowa State other than they can grind out um, – they can grind out a game, and they had a ten to seven win over a good Iowa team. That well, a good defensive okay, I Iowa say, team. I don't think they're good. <laughs> I don't <laughs> they, know. They, they haven't yet to figure out their offense. Like, they've had, um, like, have they but, only had like one offensive touchdown this whole year or well, something? They, they, they had seven points in one game, but it was a field goal and two safeties. Two safeties. So <laughs> week one, I, mean, I love it. I, we we know a little bit about Baylor, and it seems like if you can put some pressure on their quarterback. It seems like they can, they struggle. So that'll be an interesting one. Uh, I know that that uh, Ames, Iowa crowd and Jack Trice stadium can get pretty fired up. I've been to a game there before. So that'll be a hostile environment for Baylor to go in and, and expect to get a victory. So I kind of, I'm calling the upset there in that one. I'll go through my picks if you don't mind. Go for it. Uh, and then you can chime in where you want to. Uh, the next game we have is Utah state taking on UNLV Utah state uh, trying to regroup after a bye week. Don't sleep on the, the rebels week before. The week before they lost to Jay Hill and Weber State, you don't see a lot of the FCS versus FBS upsets, but that was one of them. And not only was it a, an upset, that was that was a butt whooping <laughs> that, that Jay Hill was able to put on. Um, so what what do you see? Do you see Utah State able to bounce back in this one? Or you, I mean, you said don't sleep on the Rebels. Do you like UNLV in this one? I don't know if I like the Rebels necessarily. I think, you know, I think it's more of a situation of where Utah State is right now. I think – if they can come out of their bye week and, and they can really get the leadership that they say that they needed, you know, I think they'll be able to, to turn the tide, right? I think they've, they've got the talent. They've got the, the people that are able to do it. You know, you've got to be able to still trust in Logan Bonner. I, I think Utah State is going to be fine, but I, I think you've got a UNLV team that, that for the last few years really hasn't had anything to lose. And so they're slowly gaining. They're starting to get a little bit better. Um, it's, it's one of those scenarios that, you know, you can never understand, right? Because it's it's easy to sit here and say, "Oh, UNLV has been down for forever," and and they're never going to be able to do it. But this year, they're two and one. They have, uh, you know, a, a, they've had a great opportunity ahead of them where they've gotten uh, wins against uh, what was it, uh, North Texas and Idaho State. Now Idaho State, whatever, but North Texas is fine, right? Like, and they blew them out. Right. They had a close game against Cal, who took Notre Dame to the to the end. So I, I don't I don't want to say that that uh, UNLV is is going to be this world beater or anything, but I think they're going to be a harder game than maybe Aggies fans are are expecting. So I'm kind of going against all logic here because I'm, I'm going to go with Utah state in this one. And, and, and here's why if Utah state loses this game, it's over. They, they, they play BYU the next week and then air force the week after that, they could legitimately start the season. What one and six, one and five. Yeah. One and five before they finally take on a, uh, a, a pretty patsy Colorado State team. If you start out <laughs> you one in Colorado five, State, you're, you shutter the program, well, man. <laughs> I, you're, you're. I mean, if you don't win this game, like that changes your. I mean, you're not winning the Mountain West Conference in back-to-back seasons. Oh, no, like not at this all. is, 
this is uh i mean this is what gary anderson kind of was let go for was having a lackluster season i mean granted it's hard to fire a coach one season after winning the conference i get that and blake anderson's not going to get fired i'm not saying that but this is kind of the same situation you start at one and five that's gonna be really really hard to recover from especially when aspirations and logan were to at least repeat as division champs if not conference champions yeah no i agree i mean i think it, they have to at least start on a better foot, right? Like that doesn't mean that they have to win this game. I think they have to at least be competitive, right? Like I think there has to be some signs of life. Uh, I agree with you that they do need to win this game, but you know, I, the, the thing is the situation is just not great for them and, and it's tough. No. And, you know, I, I will say shout out to, to Utah state for what they're doing right now for mental health. I think uh, obviously what's going on with uh, Blake Anderson's family is, has been really tough if you haven't got a chance to watch the video that he put out there about his son's suicide and, and uh, mental health awareness and kind of what they're trying to do, I mean, give, give it a watch. I mean, it, it's, it's an emotional listen. Um, obviously, it's, it's, a, it's a difficult thing for many Americans in the country, and I, I feel like more people need to be cognizant of, of mental health and, and, and treat it as, as, as much as anything else out there, right, as our physical health or, or uh, emotional health. Because I think there's, there's a, a lot of people hurting in this world and not to take necessarily a, a downer moment here, but I think it's, it's an important thing that, you know, as, as we play uh, or, or not as we play, but as we watch people play these, these sports, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of um, pressure put on these kids, right? They're trying to balance school. They're trying to balance sports. They're trying to balance just life in general, even if you're not an athlete. And so look, if, if, you know, if you're struggling, go, go talk to somebody, please, because uh, th- these things are important. We want you all here. So um, you know, obviously it, we, we don't want to be talking about these things because we'd like to be talking about the fun, fun side of sports, but, uh, kudos to Utah state for, for doing it the right way. And at least, uh, partnering with the Holinsky foundation to be able to, to kind of make this come to pass. So they take on UNLV and Logan five o'clock on the CBS sports network. Next game on our schedule is at seven 30, uh, number seven USC going to Corvallis to take on Oregon state. We briefly touched on this earlier. I see Lincoln Riley's offense just being too powerful for Oregon State. Uh, Oregon State has two solid wins. They beat Boise State at home and Fresno State on the road. But, uh, I mean, you hate to do it, but you do the comparative score. Um, USC just put the licking on Fresno State. Granted, it was at home, whereas Oregon State was on the road. But uh, I, I, I I just don't know if anybody um, outside of maybe Georgia, Alabama, uh, can really slow down this offense. I what do you see? Yeah, I think uh, USC's uh, in, in a at a very advantageous position right now. Uh, I, I am curious to see Oregon State and what their defense is able to provide. My my favorite thing about this game is I, I saw a tweet about this that the the betters are pounding the line for Oregon State right now. They they think that it's going to be a far closer game. Yeah, I think plus I, six and a half. Yeah, it's plus yeah. six and a half. And I think somewhere I saw it was like one hundred and ten thousand dollars has swung in Oregon State's favor and different things like that. So I think there's a lot of optimism, at least on the you know the Beavers side that that Oregon State will keep it close. They're obviously mad that they're on the Pac-12 networks and don't get a showcase uh, this week or next week against Utah. Um, but I you know. I don't know. Like I love Jonathan Jonathan Smith and what he's doing up there. I think he's building a great program up there. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if if Oregon State did come out with a win or did come uh, at least keep it close. But I, I have a hard time, at least at this point, seeing what we've seen from from USC, seeing uh, uh, Oregon State slowing them down. It'll be closer than than their last few matches. At least I think it will. Uh, but I think USC is is a tough beat right here. 
Uh, next up at 8.15, Wyoming taking on number 19, BYU and Provo. This is kind of a uh, an old conference foe, uh, kind of an old conference rivalry being rekindled here. Um, I... I, I'm, I'm torn in this one because, you know, of the way that BYU played this last week at Oregon, I just think that Oregon is that much better um, than maybe BYU prepared for. But I see BYU coming out pretty angry in this one and putting a hurting on Wyoming. I just don't see Wyoming having the horses to keep it, to, to kind of keep up in this one. I don't even see this one being that close, to be honest. What do you see? Rob, they have, they're cowboys. They have to have horses. Come, okay, sorry, bad dad joke. <laughs> I'm sorry. Do I, do I have a soundbite here that I can kind of give us the? <laughs> Anyways, no. I mean, Wyoming's a better team than most people are giving credit for. I, they're three and one on the season. Um, they're 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 still Wyoming. They they lost a lot of people in in the transfer portal over the season. Uh, we obviously heard about one of them to Arizona State, uh, but they've also built up a new program with a bunch of of new transfers and and, and gotten a lot of and had a lot of success from that, but. I, I don't think there's a way that Wyoming wins this game. I think BYU, you know, pounds them. I think they, like you said, they're going to be angry. They want to show out at, at Lavelle Edwards Stadium and, and really take it to them. Um, it, it, the thing is, if Wyoming does come away, I think that really sets the tone of, of where BYU's at this season. I think that changes the trajectory a lot, which, let's be honest, the last few years, BYU's had these types of games, right, where they come in there and they lay an egg. They're still emotional. It's it's that uh, that one thing that everybody, every coach talks about, don't let the team beat you twice, right? This could very well be that scenario where Oregon beats uh, uh, BYU twice. But for the most part, I I don't think this is going to be a problem for for BYU. I think they come out hot. Kalani's got a a good head on his shoulders, and he's going to get those guys motivated. Um, It's just more a matter of if they're more worried about uh, one of their tight ends transferring out of the room and upset about that versus actually preparing for a game. Yeah, yeah. So you, you brought up a great point is not letting the same team beat you twice. And Oregon kind of derailed their their season expectations. They were kind of uh, favorited as the uh, the playoff dark horse once Utah lost to Florida and the way that they played at home against Baylor. But those physical games that they play take a toll on your depth chart. And we saw it where they didn't have their their ones because they had to rely on some uh, twos and threes due to, due to injuries. So we'll see uh, I, I get, I think it's kind of the same thing with Utah where the longer that you let Wyoming stick around in this one, the more motivation I think goes towards the Wyoming sideline. And, you know, if they're, if it's a close game going into the fourth quarter, all, all bets are off at that point. But I, I just see Kalani being able to settle his team down and, and not, um, kind of not just letting that Oregon game stew too much. So let's go into our Utah preview. I think that uh, we've, we've talked about it. The, the players are ready to take take on Arizona State. The game's going to be on national TV on ESPN at 8.30, Sun Devil Stadium. How do you see this one playing out, and uh, you know, who do you got? Before I, before I answer that, I want to give you one trivia about Arizona State. You ready for it? Yeah, I'm ready. When okay, so Arizona State's won 17 conference championships. Okay, when was the last time that Arizona State won? Well, I think the last time they went to a Rose Bowl was in the 90s, was not? I think you're right. I'd have to look. Uh, let's see if I can find it. But yeah, I mean, I think it's it's been it's been a while. So, so 1997, uh, Arizona State. So I guess the 96 season, but they they took on uh, Ohio State. So they did win it. So they did win a conference championship in 1996. That was their second to last time. Their last time they won it was under Dennis Erickson in 2007. 
That's been a long wow. time. I mean, it, it's crazy to think that, you know, when, when we've talked about a team like Arizona State, they, they do have all the advantages for them. It's a, it's a warm climate. Uh, it's, a, it's a school that you would think that most people would want to go to. and, 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 well, they, and They were co-champions, Josh. They went to the Holiday Bowl. <laughs> sure, I, I, I get that. Um, but, like, they still – Utah claims an, another one I of those, the, too. The so. co-South Division the title. Co- <laughs> what was it with USC? And I think it – no, yeah, it was just USC. No, but I but I think it's interesting. I mean, I think that's just kind of where the the state of the program is. That that's a side tangent to kind of where my point is. Is I think you know Utah has shown itself to be the the better team over the years. There there was a stretch there where Arizona State, especially in in the early run of Utah in the Pac-12, where Utah didn't even get a win. I think it was like a seven game skid, and that and that predates the Pac-12 as well. Um, but then you know Utah's won four of the last six. Uh, like Doug mentioned, they have been lopsided. They haven't really been anything. And that's been on both sides, right? If Arizona State's going to win, they usually win in a lopsided manner. Uh, there's, I think, only one game in the six-game series where they're, they've had it at least relatively close. But this is, this is one of those games that I see happening similar to that. I think it's going to be a, a landslide for Utah. Now, I don't think it's going to be, you know, when I say landslide, I don't think it's going to be like, a, you know, 47 to you know, 20, it, it could be, I guess. But I, I think in terms of how it's played out, I think this is all Utah. I think they, they try to establish the tone. They have to, right? They have to, they're not looking ahead to Oregon State. Uh, they're, they're looking ahead at Arizona State. Uh, so I, I think this one plays out well for Utah and uh, they start conference play out 1-0. I kind of see the same thing. Uh, I think that uh, Arizona State's going to come out super motivated just under the new coach. They're going to try to get fired up. They may try to do a, trick play or two on offense or on or uh, maybe go all out on a blitz on defense just to try to get some momentum early on in the game and um, if Utah can put them away early I can see this one um, being over pretty quickly but uh, I, I I think that Arizona State will fight for about a half uh, before ultimately subsiding to a much stronger Utah team that quite frankly is it, it's better on paper they um, they're going to dial up the same game plan that uh, Eastern Michigan had last week and getting seven yards of carry. And so I expect to see a lot of Tavion Thomas, uh, Jalen Glover, Makai Bernard. Um, I wouldn't expect to see a reemergence of the wide receivers in this one. I think when we're talking to Solomon Enos next week, he's going to be talking about his run blocking because I think that's <laughs> going to be the game plan uh, against this uh, you know, Arizona State defense. So I like Utah on this one. I have a score of 31 to 14 that will get posted tomorrow in our ksl.com staff picks yeah and if you haven't had a chance to go fill out your uh, ksl.com pick them uh, picks for the week go do that uh, obviously have up until the time the games start on saturday uh, we've had a lot of fun with it there's opportunities to win prizes and do different things that way so and we're uh, giving away 200 dollars every week and then at the end of the season we'll give away a 500 gift card 500 gift card to the overall winner uh, as well as 250 for second place and 100 bucks for third place so Lots to play for, even just on a weekly basis. Just come on in, sign up. It's super easy to fill out once a week, get the games in, and, uh, you know, create a group and and get some bragging rights. You know, create create an office group, whatever it might be. We have one internally at KSL. It's awesome. Unless you pick like mine. I I can't win, so I don't – I'm not even close this year. I, I well, maybe, like, maybe, 
Maybe you need to put it in your picks earlier. I don't know. Maybe you're thinking about it. Too <laughs> Maybe much. I'm thinking about it. Just put them in Tuesday or whatever it is, and and be done with it. I don't think about it, right? Yeah, exactly. Well, thank you for listening to the Utah Checkdown podcast. Uh, we're, we're we're excited to do this every time. We we love talking about the the sport. Um, we want to be able to to give you guys good information. Um, so you know, give us a listen on any of your favorite podcast platforms. Tell your friends, review us, uh, share it with everybody. We appreciate it. So, thanks for checking us out, and we'll catch up with you uh, on uh, Monday as we recap the game that was on Saturday against Arizona State.